Mitch Woodcock is with us from the West, busy man, writing uh, online, thewest.com.au, and in the West Australian newspaper. Uh, covers the AFL, WAFL, Super Nipple, covers it all with absolute aplomb, and he's with us on the show. Good morning to you, Mitch. Morning, how are we? Well, now, uh, I know that Wayne wants to ask you about the fever, but I need to ask a personal question to start. Swan Districts, what on earth happened in that last 45 minutes against Claremont? I just ran out of legs, Jacob. Just ran out of legs and missing too many stars and struggling on the way there. It's just unfortunate. We just keep falling short. So, yeah, look, hopefully get a few guys back from injury sooner rather than later. But it looks like Sam Fish is out for 10 to 12. So it's going to be a bit of a struggle this year, unfortunately, for poor Andrew Prune. Where's, uh, where's Frank Anderson at? Because he had that horrible injury in a final a couple of years ago. He missed all of last year. He, he did a... He did a number on his knee. Uh, it was the ACL, but I think he did a couple of other ligaments as well. Is there any update on where he's at? He played reserves at the weekend and got through, so hopefully he'll be back and maybe after the bye. But, yeah, he got through a game of resis, which is great to see. So on track for a return, the 2021 best and fairest winner. OK, Mitch, I'm going to ask you about the fever. Three one-point losses, all with those super goals happening at the time. But surely now they've got to start looking at what are they doing wrong in those last seconds of a game for the for the ball to be able to get there. Oh uh, yeah, no way. The the one at the against Adelaide, um that that wasn't down to one shot, that was down to two away games beforehand. They were exhausted out on their feet in that final half and the Adelaide Thunderbirds were inspired and coming and that was a really tough loss. Eleanor Cardwell hit the winning shot and and took a massive risk obviously with that super goal but won them the game. The one against the Vixens, that was the final of four road games in 28 days that also included that Thunderbirds loss. Um, and then the, the weekend again, another loss from a Super Bowl. But at, after, you know, four away games in 28 days, another game at home, and then coming against home on a seven-day break. Oh, sorry, a six-day break. So, you know, they've they played a lot of netball away from home in recent times. So you could look at it in isolated incidents and say that, you know, they're not they're struggling with the Super Shot. Um, but I, I look at it more as in scheduling just hasn't done them any favours. And they've been up against it from the start with that. They've done really well. They've only lost by one goal in each of those games. So I look at it from that point of view and the fact that I don't think they're too far away from really, you know, turning it around again and, and dominating the back half of this season. And I'm sure that's what they're looking at doing this weekend. How do they have such a arduous road schedule, Mitch. Surely it's easy enough to go home and away, home and away. And I know RAC Arena's used for a few different things these days, but surely it's not that difficult for the Super Netball and Netball Australia to go home and away, since they do it for most of the other teams. I asked this of them, Jacob, uh, about a week ago in an article, and they said to me that multiple factors, clubs are consulted, and the fact that, you know, RAC Arena is their preferred home, RAC Arena had some scheduling conflicts, that's what they put it back on. I'm, I have actually trying to check to see if that's true at the moment. Um, but overall, you know, the one thing that really gets me is they travel, I worked out an estimated 43,000 kilometres this season, twice as more much, sorry, as the uh, next best club, and yet for some reason they're the team heading to Tasmania to take on a woeful Collingwood in round 14, seven days out from the finals. So work that out, Jacob. I'm not sure how it all works, but unfortunately the fever, they keep braving through it and they keep performing really well. So I've got no doubt they'll finish probably top two and once they do that, I think they have a decent chance of winning the flag. Yeah. Well, Sue Gordian will be must-listen to radio tomorrow when she joins us, uh, general manager, because she will uh, not hold back, Wayne, I would imagine. I would uh, think so. She was commentating and she had to hold a tongue, I think, when I was listening <laughs> to that. Um Fremantle, 
the win against Sydney? Is this the turning point? I think the turning point was a couple of weeks ago with the way they structured up, Wayne. I think they found the right balance for their forward line. I think Luke Jackson's really turned his form around and, and looks really comfortable in his role. They're not playing 50-50 with Sean Darcy. Sean Darcy's rucking and dominating and probably is the best ruckman in the competition right at this moment in terms of form. Uh, the ground ball gets getting better. Andrew Brayshaw looks back to somewhat of the player he was last year. Caleb Sorong has improved. He's probably been the only player in that leadership group who has improved. And Yang Romir has found his feet as well. And that Fife coming off as the, on as the sub. Hasn't had too much of an impact just yet, but you dare say, you know, probably not going to be the sub this week. Um, so we'll play a full game. So his impact's got to grow. I think overall, I think just things are clicking for Fremantle right now. And their back line, which is their biggest strength last year, has really struggled this year. I think that's finally clicking too. So... Look, I'm not sure if that win was the catalyst. I'm, I'm thinking it was just part of it, but you know, it's a fantastic win. First time since 2011 they've beaten Sydney and won at the SCG there, so that's fantastic for them. And look, I think Freeman, although a big test this weekend, it's it's going to be a tough one against the Cats. Mitch Woodcock with us, uh, sports journalist for the West Australian online, sportfm.com.au, and in the West Australian newspaper. Fremantle got a very good run on the injury front, don't they? And they've only got three, I think, on their latest injury list, and Josh Corbett's a chance to return this week at Peel. Uh, probably reflects on why Peel Thunder have started the year so well, heading into the state game by on top of the ladder. Yeah, I really do think so. The Jagger, they're a fantastic um, side, especially with that many Fremantle players in there. There's a good mix, too. There's not just... You know, five forwards or six backs or eight midfielders. It's it's a good mix of, you know, mids, forwards, defenders playing for Peel at the moment. Like you said, they're all fit, so they're looking really good. And, and now there's competition for spots, so they're all playing at a high level. And Will Brody didn't even play at the weekend, and I think he probably, if uh, there was Waffle this weekend, probably would have been playing. So, look, it's interesting to see the way they go about it. But, yeah, Peel Thunder, I like the way they look at the moment. Uh, ben Hancock's also in fantastic form. Blair Bell didn't play at the weekend, so he's to come back, and obviously we all know what sort of player he is and what he adds to that side. So Thunder looking very dangerous for the first time in a few years, and you know for them to be on top of the ladder is a scary thing. As long as Fremantle stay fit, they're the, probably the premiership favourites right about now. What have you made of the first six weeks of, of waffle football as we prepare for the state game, Mitch? Peel impressive, Claremont likely uh, to compete as well, and West Perth starting to find their feet too. Yeah, West Perth definitely starting to find their feet after by they'll get numerous players back. Zach Langdon, um, Aaron Black just came back, kicked three goals, was fantastic. Uh, Mark Hutchings looks like he's on his way. So look, I think we're starting to see the play teams that are really finals contenders emerge. We, we obviously knew what was going to be with West Coast and Perth, or we assumed anyway. Subiaco for me have been the surprise packet. Really impressed with the way they're going about it. Um, I like the way they're playing, and I think they're coming real strong. Uh, East Fremantle, Yelmont need to really stand tall at the moment. I think they've got a tough few weeks ahead after the bye, but if they can get through that, there will be another contender as well. Swan Districts, well, they're competitive, but injuries are just killing them. Um, and that's why, you know, their percentage, I think, is about 87, and they've won one game of six, you know. That that tells you the story that you need to be told. South Fremantle, the, the penalty, the salary cap peach penalties impacting them as we predicted, and probably going to cost them birth in the finals. So there's probably six teams for five spots, and it's interesting to see how that works now. And I think it's going to be an interesting back end of the season for me. I like their midfield. I think they've got a decent back line. I worry they don't have a real big 
key forward and a real smart small forward to kick enough goals to be a premiership threat. So I wouldn't be surprised if they slid into the back of the top five, but I don't know if they've got the firepower without their midfield kicking six, seven goals between them to really challenge for a premiership. All right, state game this weekend. I'm not sure whether you get the opportunity to get across to see it, but uh, there's not a lot of coverage here. Um, what, what are you expecting? Or what do we know about the South Australian team and, and the way that we match up with them? Well, really strong. They take this so seriously and, and really well. And so does WA, obviously, but they are really consistent too with their team. WA, unfortunately, injuries have hit them at the wrong time for them. So Ben Edwards is out, Lee Kitchen is out. Bailey Rogers is in doubt. Kyle Baskerville's in doubt. So they're struggling for injuries at the moment. So there could be a different side heading into this team than we expected. I'm expecting a real hard-fought game. Um, WA try to snap a losing streak here. They really want to win that cup. But South Australia, they do have a very good side. They're playing South Australian rules with the last touch out of bounds. So there's the advantage to them. Um, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I was, I'm concerned about the state game overall and just the viability of it, given that we consistently play South Australia, instead of, you know, maybe Victoria or an Allies every three years. But for now, if we're just talking about this isolated game, I think it'll be interesting, but I wonder if... I just wonder if there's a few too many injuries to WA, and I think it'll hurt them to some of their senior players. No doubt it will. Yeah, Bailey Rogers awaiting results from his scans, an ankle injury at the weekend, and if he's ruled out, there's a key piece of the puzzle that'll miss out on a trip to Adelaide. The Eagles, speak of injuries, they uh, probably have the longest injury list in club history. I think they're down to about 24 fit players. They might get a couple back this week. Uh, what's the latest? What are you hearing out of the Eagles camp injury-wise? Jack Darling and Jermaine Jones, the latest casualties. Yeah, so we're hearing Jack Darling's probably four to five to six weeks away. Jacob with that fractured forearm. Jermaine Jones should be available after breaking his nose. Slight concern over a left shoulder with him in the rooms after the game. He was talking to people about it. I spotted that and I'm not sure if that's anything to be worried about. They should get some guys back, you know, but these guys are only, you know, the Noah Longs and the, and, you know, Campbell Chester got through a waffle game at the weekend. So they're, they're not the big senior blokes that are going to change the fortunes in the future, which is exciting to see. And there's some green shoots, but I don't expect them to be major players in, in victories from here on out. The guys that we're waiting to see, well, Shuey and Yo were expecting back in the next couple of weeks. Just after the bye, we're hoping to see maybe a McGovern and a Hearn. Um, and then towards the back end of the season, guys like Grips and Cole coming back. So it's going to be a smattering of guys coming back, and then it's a matter of keeping them on the park for the rest of the year, Jacob. So it'll be interesting to see how viable they are with these injuries and, and if any guys can come back and real fire for them towards the end of the year and if West Coast can get a couple of wins on the board. Well, you know, you have to argue, though, with Harley Reid on offer at you know, number one pick and given the raps about him saying he's the next big thing in the AFL... You have to wonder, do West Coast, and I'm sure they will be competitive, I'm not saying anything or accusing them of anything, but you have to wonder if maybe the fans want them to be competitive and win games because this kid's apparently pretty special and you don't want to be missing out on a number one pick that's meant to be this good. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation, isn't it? I don't think you could accuse the Eagles of tanking. They just simply don't have enough players to pick from. But Hawthorne's a more interesting case study with what they did in the off-season and what they're doing this year. They rested Jath and Bruce for a trip to Perth a couple of weeks ago. What do you think they'll do this week, Hawthorne, with their squad? Yeah, well, first off, Jacob, you're definitely never accusing West Coast of tanking, though. But they can't take with the no. injury list they've got. They couldn't rest players even if they tried. Uh, poor buggers. But, no, with Hawthorne, well, you know, Sam Mitchell's already got COVID. 
um, you know, it is out at the moment. So there could be some players sidelined with COVID. They could rest some players for the trip to Tasmania. I'm just, I'm not sure how they're going to line up. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I'm not sure if they're necessarily tanking either or just part of this rebuild is the way they're managing the things that they're doing. So that'll be the interesting prospect to see how they go. And, you know, um, Hawthorne have really, they've bit the bullet. They saw Tasmania coming and they traded away the senior players, got some assets in, got some draft picks, and having a look at kids. And, and, and at the moment, they're uncom- well, not uncompetitive at times. They're, just, they're not good at all, really. But unlike the way they've gone about it, because they've, they've sort of just accepted that this is the way it's going to be, this, the criticism of Hawthorne can't come too strong because they're all behind this movement. Everyone, the board, the, the, the management, the football department, are all behind Sam Mitchell and the way they're going about it because they know it's going to be the betterment for the betterment of the club in the future. So interesting to see how they do line up this weekend and interesting to see how this game goes down in Tasmania on Sunday. Might prove to be a masterstroke uh, with the Tassie team coming in and a lot of concessions coming their way. So in time, we might look at Sam Mitchell as a bit of a genius, even though right now wins uh, are not adding up. Mitch, nice to speak to you. Uh, enjoy your week and we can read your work in the West Australian and online as well. All the best. Thanks, guys. Have a lovely day. Mitch Woodcock joining us here on Sports Breakfast, uh, sports journalist for the West and uh, semi-regular with us here on Sports Breakfast as well.